0: Music All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Grounds, presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. I'm Paul your Jr. here, working, running solo today, as uh, Jay Morrison is in flight on his way back from Denver, following the Bengals 15-10 to 10 win. I am stationed in Cincinnati, because I'm still not clear to fly after my back surgery, but I'm going, this is it, this is the last one. I'm on all the rest of the road trips, which I'm also very excited about, to be back uh, in the mix, as they say, on the road. But uh, cool to be doing the live room again. Excited to be back here and no shortage of things to talk, talk about. You know, it, it never feels like there is after uh, these these games this time of year when you consider where everything's at. But uh, the last two weeks in particular uh, have left us in two very different states. This one a little bit uh, a little bit better than the one that was here last week. But last week was great. All the questions were fantastic and uh, interesting. It was great to hear from everybody, and, and you know, we only went slightly derailed at the end. And maybe we'll even maybe since everything was so good last week, maybe this will be the week that will surprise me, and people will have some things they want to get off their chest, even in a winning effort. Either way, Bengals eight and six currently at the moment. Sitting at first in the AFC North. And that could change in a matter of hours here as the Browns, without Baker Mayfield or Case Keenum, will take the field in a massive game for them. They're all big right now, but it's really interesting the way everything sets up when we talk about how much things can change and how quick they can change. When you look at just thinking about if the favorites play out, if you have the Browns unable to win today, the Bengals able to beat the Ravens next week, Pittsburgh with a tough task, the Browns have to go to Green Bay on Christmas on a short week. You are talking an absolute stranglehold on the division for this team, the Cincinnati Bengals. it's all kind of right there in front of them, and we could all be sitting here next Monday in this live room talking about that fact, you know. Or they could be 12th, like it would have been if they if they lost yesterday. Could be sitting where Denver is, all the way back at 12 in the AFC playoff picture. It's a muddled mess, but you know the Bengals have done what they needed to do, found a way to win, and put themselves in position to do this. Uh, to to really make the playoffs and take that big step and see what happens if you get Burrow to the big stage. Um, I know a lot of you guys have questions. Uh, So just hit the uh, button there to request to talk, and we'll get to your questions here and uh, see how many we can get today. I know I couldn't get to all of them last week. It's just there are so many. I'm trying to bust through them as quickly as I can. Um, I'm not good at being anything other than long-winded, but I'm gonna work on it today. We're gonna try to do a little bit better. So I'm gonna just start here at the top with a few questions and uh, we'll get it rolling here. Let's start with Anthony T. Anthony T, what's going on?
2: Hey, what's up, Paul? What's up, Anthony? How's it going? Hey, good man. I appreciate all the uh, all the coverage and uh, love the live room. I know it's only the second week doing it, but uh, it's 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 awesome, man. So I had it on my calendar for for today. So like, uh, it. Who, yep. Who, who day? Uh, happy Victory Monday to all the <laughs> fellow uh, Bengals fans out there. But um, no, I just wanted your uh, input on something real quick. Uh, pretty easy question, I feel like maybe. But um, I know Zach and the coaching staff gets a lot of. Uh, flack and criticism, and in my opinion, I thought yesterday was probably the best game that Coach Taylor has coached. Um, in, in my opinion, from the offensive standpoint, just you know, knowing when to give the ball to Joe Burrow and when to you know not sometimes. So I thought he did a did a great job with that, and uh, Lou as well, and uh, Darren Simmons on the special team So. I just wanted your opinion on if you thought that, that was the best coached game of the Zach Taylor era, or at least of this
0: season. So. That, that's a great question, uh, Anthony. I appreciate it. And um, I'll say this. Maybe I, – I, I think there's an evolution here. And what's interesting is that we've seen this this year, is that Zach Taylor has not been afraid – to kind of take ownership in some situations of how he thinks this team should win. And I I sort of wrote about this in takeaways. And that was, you know, that ownership has kind of maybe been something that fits them best. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, obviously letting Burrow cook and, and when the offense really gets going and way they've looked in some of these games where he's opened it up is fantastic, but they've played really well when taking on this style of, what is eliminating their toxic trait, doing dumb stuff, turning it over too much when they don't turn it over, when they do play something that's maybe, a, maybe shies a little bit more towards conservative. They've won games. They did it in Vegas. They did it here against Denver, two big games on the road. Um, you know, outside of dropping punts, they might've done it against San Francisco. And so, I, I do think it's a, it's there's an evolution there because that's not, I don't think that's who Zach Taylor thought this team would be. I think it took him a, a couple of games to understand that he was going to have to coach this team differently than he thought he would this year, that they had a defense that could carry them and what that could mean, what that has to look like. And it does take some discipline to sit back against that Vic Fangio team and pound your head against the wall for a little bit, knowing that maybe at the end of the day, that's the best way to go about it. For that fact, I would agree. Be, and it turned out that way. It, it might not have, but you know, understanding that and being disciplined—that does it does take a lot. And to kind of go against maybe who you thought your this team was going to be, and understand that's the best way for you to win. Understand some of the criticism you probably take for doing that. Um, for that fact, I do think you can you can make that argument. It looks good when you win. It Looks good when your defense plays its ass off. And, and that's really as much a big a part of the picture um, as everything. So um, I hope they answered the question. Uh, but either way, it's certainly a game where, you know, there were some tough decisions to make, and he continued to kind of unabashedly lean on his defense in the game where he thought his defense could win it for him, and his defense made him look good. The players typically end up being the ones that make the coach look good more than anything. Um, uh, we're going to move on to John C., How's it going? Hey, uh, just wanted to ask you, how big has Jermaine Pratt been the last couple of weeks with Logan Wilson being out and the way that he stepped in? And Marcus Bailey, I felt like, has played a big role on defense as well, uh, making some key plays for us. And that sack that they had yesterday was huge. And then second part of my question, sorry, I don't want to overstep, but uh, what did they really do to take away Jamar and T yesterday? Because I felt like T had that big catch on the first, I don't remember, first or second drive, but uh, got us. Got him kind of rolling, and then all of a sudden he was kind of MIA for the rest of the day and felt like Jamar was MIA all day uh, outside of the one play that got called back for the hold. So what did you kind of see on both of those fronts? Uh, Great question, John. I appreciate it. You're not overstep. No, nobody oversteps here. Uh, There's really no rules. We're kind of making it up as we go along sometimes. Um, Jermaine Pratt. I was really I was surprised to pull up PFF grades and see them having him as the lowest graded player on the Bengals defense yesterday. I, I thought he played great, and on my rewatch, you know, it, he's got the green dot for the first time. He's making all the play calls. It's not a natural thing for him, you know. According at least, that's what players have sort of told us that so you can tell he's not all the way like super comfortable with it. But he kind of does it, and they help him with it. Um, that was Logan Wilson's thing. Um, but it hasn't derailed him. And he seemed to play with kind of a confidence and ownership. You just look, and at some point, that was a big task. I don't think people that haven't watched the Broncos all year don't understand what that running attack has done to a lot of teams. And the Bengals just didn't let it happen to them. And a lot of that came back to Pratt attacking the gaps and getting in there. And and, and Blitzing wouldn't have given the opportunity. They had a double-A early that helped out. Um, and, and, you know, Bailey is kind of, I toss him in amongst this cast of characters that they've had to run through now with all the injuries they've had, you know, it was ADG for a while and Joe Bacci and, and we've seen all these Bailey. Now we've seen all these guys, Jordan Evans was in there. I mean, everybody, and we've seen guys go out now for the year and they're, they're so deep into that room. Al Golden's done a great job with that room to kind of, it hasn't felt like the drop off has been as dramatic as you would assume it would be, all things considered. Considering what the room has looked like over recent years, and we know it's just been a debacle in there forever. And um, it's been surprising how well they've acquitted themselves, not just Pratt in the face of injury, uh, but everybody else. As for Chase and and Higgins, look, the the Broncos have a really good secondary. They devoted themselves to playing coverage. They hardly blitzed. Yeah, it was their lowest rate of the year blitzing and they sat back and played coverage and they have really good guys to do that. And so for that fact, it was tough going. It was uphill. sudden they were kind of dedicated to trying to stop those receivers as much as they could. They did play a bunch of zone. I wrote last week about man versus zone. They played way more zone than they typically do. In fact, Burrow only had two attempts against man yesterday and got sacked twice. Uh, so they showed it rarely not for a team who was, uh, third in the league in, in man coverage. They they backed off of it. They played coverage and just kind of had, had their eyes on them. And I think that was a big part of it. And then they were able to get Boyd in some spots. You know, that's just kind of, you know, I sit back here, and I, as I was perusing through the the receiving catches, you now have Chase with 61 for 1,038, Boyd with 60 for 707, and Higgins with 59 for 835 go down Uzama with 40, mixing with 29 on receptions. All of them have a play of at least 46 yards. (laughs) They're so explosive. And it comes from everywhere. And I think for that fact, it's just, it was more of kind of a pick your poison. And the offense wasn't particularly explosive. And Denver was as well set up to slow them down as anything. But, you know, the Bengals didn't shoot themselves in the foot. They didn't make the big mistake. And when they had opportunities to make the big play, burrow and boyd uh made them and i think that's part of why it went the way it did because the denver chose it to try to go that way and the Bengals were able to make that work for them all right i'm gonna try to go on to the next and bring in evan d if we can so evan d you should be uh up on stage now
1: hey paul how's it going man doing good how are you evan Doing great. Thank you. I uh, just want to say thanks for all the work you and Jay do. It's great as a fan to have you guys uh, put in the work you do. So thanks from all of us. Um, my question relates to the offensive line. Uh, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the Bengals uh, plan that they had for the offensive line. Obviously, they've done a great job defensively with the free agents they've got the last few years, um, not counting Trey Wayne's. But that's not really their fault. Um, but yeah, offensive line wise, there's obviously the biggest hand wringing over that from the fans. How would you grade, uh, what they've done so far? And I don't know if you have any glimpse into what their plans are into the future for that, uh, group as well.
0: But yeah, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Evan. It's, uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I'll, I'll oh, offensive line. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Every year you go into it with the same idea that they're going to be more aggressive and they just haven't been, I don't know. And it's something that you just say, when are you just actually going to fully devote to it? And every year it feels like what has to be this year, right? They're going to draft the the franchise quarterback. So they got to go all in. No, well, you've got him now and he his ACL. You got to go all in on the line, right? Okay. Now you've got all the other pieces and you've got some luxury now with roster depth you got to go in now right well I mean it seems like it should right it would seem a logical conclusion uh I I, my days of trying to predict them going in heavily on the offensive line are over because I just don't know that we ever can predict that it makes all the sense in the world It, it is the advantage they have here when we're talking about flipping forward is their defense is for the most part signed up for next year. They're not going to have huge holes. They have a few, I mean, they have prove it deals out there on, on and Joby notably. Um, but a lot of their guys, the vast majority of their team is, is signed or able to be franchised in the case of Jesse Bates or whatever. So you, you've got a lot of these pieces kind of in place for multiple years. The offense is young and, and in under contract and then they have money and draft picks. So, there's only so many places that you would see them going with that stuff. So for that fact, you know, all eyes should be on there. And and it does make all the sense in the world. Will they bring Riley Reef back? I don't know. I, I would think so. Um, I think he would have interest in coming back. I think they'd have interest in him coming back. It doesn't mean they wouldn't be trying to draft a successor at right tackle. Um, do they think amongst all these young kids on the interior that they'll work? I think they have hope. Um, I, I don't think they're gonna give up on Jackson Carmen. They're not gonna give up on Trey Hill. Um they're not gonna give up on Akima Dennerji, who I think they're comfortable with what his evolution has been. they They need a replacement at center. Um, I, I would I think they'll move on from Trey Hopkins and try to you know, it's a they would love you'd love to get uh, Linderbaum the you know the the Iowa Iowa kid, I guess. You love to get somebody like that, but he, he may be gone in the top ten. Who knows? I'm not going to dive into the draft yet. But you would love for there to be somebody like that. This year's Frank Rag now and not Billy Price, hopefully, uh, available to you when you when you get. They'd love for something like that to happen, and I, I would expect to see a, see two to three new faces in there for sure. Um, for now, you know, they're just going to kind of hope to keep piecing it together. Um, and Fred Johnson acquitted himself well enough yesterday. They've won games with him. Him and Isaiah Prince are going to have to be the ones to hold down that right side uh, with, with Riley Reef out. It's, you know, it's just kind of find a way to, to hold it together right now and be good enough. And they've offset it by as much as they run the ball. And I think that's why they had some success with these game plans. Uh, just because, you know, they, them dropping back with some of the pieces they have in there now on the line 40 times a game is uh, a dangerous one. And you see anytime, anytime they end up in that, those third and long situations, you just wait until it converges and Burrow has to try to make something happen because that's, that's where they're at right now. Um, it's kind of who they are. Um, so we'll see how much that changes going forward but I think that's who they're who they're going to be and why they kind of have to be a little more conservative in some of these game plans and try not to fall behind too much. Uh all right, uh let's go up to the next one here and I uh, will let's bring Timothy B up onto the stage. Timothy, what's going on? If you're there. Hey Paul. Hey, what's up Timothy? Uh not a lot. Hey, question kind of looking forward Um,
2: I feel like this is a good matchup for the Bengals uh, against a run heavy team, but obviously in the future, we're going to see a lot more pass and pass heavy teams, especially in the playoffs. So my question is to get actual success this year, the Bengals have to win a playoff game. So which
0: unit either offensive line or defensive backs slash linebackers is actually
2: more important to the Bengals getting where they want to go, which is winning a playoff game. That's all.
0: I appreciate the question. Um, I mean, I think at, so, at some point in the playoffs, this is going to be about Joe Burrow. I mean, we we can try to mask it all we want. And we can talk about game plans against Denver and leaning on your defense. And and we can even talk about some of the, the runs of success that Joe Mixon has had. That's all great. That's, that's nice. This is about Joe Burrow. This is going to be about letting Joe Burrow cook and win you games. This is going to be about it looking like the fourth quarter in overtime against San Francisco at some point. And that's probably the point is going to be if they are playing in a playoff game. I mean, you talk about you never know what the matchups will be or how it will end. But it, it there is no way they go in a playoff game. And at some point, um, Joe Burrow is not going to have to lead them on a drive, you know, and in the first playoff game. It's it, more than one, two. And so can he do that? And that's always the question with this team right now is will they give him enough time to do that? Because if you give him the time, they, we know what happens next. We've seen what's happened, what has happened next. And he can be creative and all that stuff too. But you know, at a certain point, that's the thing that everybody knows will kill him. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It's the case to everybody. Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes. Doing, trying to do Patrick Mahomes things, but can't because he's running for his life. Everybody's going to look like that. And in the playoffs, it's exponentially worse. And so I, to me, it's those guys finding a way to stitch together average, you know, and, and and play well in some big spots. Give them enough chances, you know, to hit those big plays. When the shot plays are called, for, for those – you know, for 50% of the shot plays, can you just hold up? Because we know the high percentage of them making them. We've seen it all year. But it's just a matter of how many of those can you hold up enough that Burrow can hold it or work the pocket to, to get the ball deep to Chase or Higgins or whatever. So I think it always is going to, you know, this team, their clear weakness, when you're in, when you're in the playoffs, it's going to be your weakness is going to be what's going to be exposed and what is going to be most important to overcome so for that fact like it always has been over and over and over and over and over again with this team for a while it's going to all point back probably to the offensive line um all right let's uh, let's keep i'll try to keep it rolling here we'll bring adam b up onto the stage adam how's it going
2: great paul can you hear me i gotcha awesome hey i noticed in the fourth quarter it looked like joe mixon went into the locker room and then he came back just shortly after did he poop
0: I don't know if he pulled Did he pull the Lamar We didn't get the video shot of him Doing the like dancing poop walk Back into the locker room Which is kind of what you would think Uh, It's a shame because that's one of my favorite videos of all time Yeah no, no No confirmation on the bathroom habits Of Joe Mixon on Sunday yet No I'll work on that Thank you Was that the only question? Wow only question is a poop question I appreciate that I appreciate the effort I appreciate coming to this live room strictly for the idea of asking that. Like it, Adam B. I don't know why I do, but I do. All right, let's move on to uh man I wonder what's next. Let's move on to uh Austin G. What's up, Austin? Hey Paul. Uh first of all I just want to say I love the podcast. I love all your coverage for Bengals. But um my question was about uh that that last um that last run that we called um before punting it and relying on our defense in the fourth quarter there and it just I just wanted to get your take on the decision to run it and I know I mean we our running game was established already for the whole game a lot smoother it seemed but looking back on the game before when we took the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands again like how was that the right call I mean I feel like we got lucky that our our defense really really put it to bed but we could have put it to bed with a first down there, too. And on third, and I think it was third and eight, we should, I thought we should have been throwing. There's, there's two sides here. One, I hated it. Uh, in the moment, I felt like, give Burrow a chance to win you the game. You need eight yards. He's done it multiple times for you, even in this half. You haven't thrown it much, but when you have in the big spots, you've done it. He's run for a few That were fantastic plays that got you first downs. He had the throw of the day, really, the third and 10 from in the shadows of the goalpost right before that to Boyd and let him win it. You you, you get eight yards with your guy and it's knees right on the other side. I get it right like your defense has been just throttling them all day. It's not even Teddy Bridgewater back there. It's Drew Locke. They can't it's not like it's some dynamic passing game. This isn't Justin Herbert that you're punting to. And you're gonna make them with no timeouts go 70, 80, 90 yards in a minute and change. It, you know, that's not a bad decision. If it's if it's the Chargers, yeah, you're throwing. You're you know, you're you're in the big time in the wrong for punting it, if it's a number of teams. But the way I think Denver's constituted, I absolutely get it. And it did play out that way. And you do have a healthy Trey Hendrickson and Oga Joby, and they had been getting after from all game. And so I think that factors into it. I still hate the idea of taking the ball out of Burroughs' hands because I still think you're still punting to them, and it's still a, a tall task to ask them with a minute 45 to go 70 80 90 yards you know in in, you know at at that point in the game so for that I I don't I, I don't really think I get as bent out of shape as I was in the moment and I don't know how much of that was residual from a week of talking about it like we get these topics that become topics of the week understandably and I wonder how much that was still in the back of Zach Taylor's head as that moment came but for that fact You know, I, I I don't think it's egregious either way. I still like the idea of giving Burrow a chance because you saw what he had done previously, right? When he thought he would, he could take the sack. Knew to take the sack when he scrambled. He slid down on purpose at one point. He was doing a great job of managing that. You're always worried about a drop ball tipped in the air or something like that, and you look foolish. But, you know, you do have to trust your quarterback. And so I don't think it's huge either way. But personally, I would have preferred probably to see you give Burrow a chance to just win it for you and trust him to keep you safe. Um, But I don't, you know, certainly the way it played out was uh, validation for the decision the coach made. Uh, All right. I'm going to keep it rolling here. Let's move on and bring up Harold M. Harold M., what's going on? We've talked before, but my biggest problem is the lack of good drafting on this team. You've got probably seven players on the whole team who have been drafted in the last five years who are good players to start. The rest of the team and rest of the draft choices are all failures. There has been failures for years. The Bengals have always depended upon... Second not second or third round picks, but sixth round picks and sixth round picks for the offensive line or undrafted free agents like Cook at center, and they still do the same thing. So when is that area of the team going to be addressed? All right. Appreciate it, Harold. Um, if you hear me scrambling on pages turning, that's me getting to the draft pages here um, in my media guide. I, I I'll say this. We pointed this out a lot, um, from really twenty fourteen fifteen, really twenty fourteen uh, until it really until Zach Taylor got here, and even then you can you could poke some holes. You can poke some pretty significant holes in the nineteen draft. Uh, it was a bad run. It was a bad run, and th- there was there were some gems in there. Some hidden things um, that they found. Uh, Carl Lawson, right, in the fourth round. Clayton Fedgill in the seventh round was a great little rotational piece. Tyler Boyd uh, was a guy who, you know, maybe they took heat for taking at the time and it's turned into something they stuck with. And there's some guys, uh, but it was really bad and some de- totally debilitating and it, it got. Marvin Lewis and his staff fired amongst other things. Um, and it was the reason they sucked. Also. The run of drafting from 29 to 2013 was some of the best this franchise has ever seen. And it set them up to be in the mix five straight playoff runs and the most successful regular season run in team history. There's it, the, the weird it's weird. The, Cyclical nature of it. I would argue the last three drafts. The last two and a half in particular. Have been really solid. And the reason they're here. I mean, let's not forget. About all the conversation about Jamar Chase. And they pulled the trigger on him. I don't know what Joseph Osai is going to be. Sure, look good in one game, one preseason game, but I don't know any more than that. Let's not forget the heat they took for taking Evan McPherson in the fifth round. How many games has that won them? You know, uh, the Jackson Carmen pick may turn out to be a bust. I don't know. We've got early returns on guys that Chris Evans looks like it's up. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson might be their best one, two, three round draft that they've had. I don't know. I'd have to really go back through it. We'll see in five to ten years. That's a pretty nice one, two, three. All these guys have contributed: Burrow, Higgins, Wilson, Hakeem Davis, Gaither, Khalid Kareem, with the biggest turnover of the year yesterday. Hakeem Adeniji starting for you, a guard. Marcus Bailey making plays for you yesterday. That's seven for that's seven picks from last year's draft that you have under contract. Jonah Williams has proven solid. Jermaine Pratt is, is developing in his third year. Those are guys from the nineteen draft. It's they have been cyclical in that they've had strings of bad drafts. A lot, some of it bad luck. They've had some. They've obviously had that incredible string of bad injury luck. But I, I look at the current run they're on, which is, you know, we do have to draw a line when you when you have coaching staffs and scouting so intermixed far more than any other franchise in the league. You have to judge them on their drafts as a coaching staff, as well as a personnel staff. So Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin, I sort of joked about Jay's video of them having this sort of half happy bro hug thing that every awkward dudes do. when they have moments where they don't know how to express themselves uh, after the game. But these guys are intertwined. Duke Tobin pushed for Zach Taylor. They've worked on all these personnel decisions. They've they've tried to have this, tried to put this culture thing and this character thing to the forefront and connecting that with town. oh, They've done all this stuff, and it's been about trying to put together a locker room that can win these types of games, the type of guys that can win these type of games. And they've done that pretty well in this draft the last few years. I don't know that that's an area that necessarily needs to be fixed. Um. You know, over the long haul, you'd like to see more consistency. And I, you know, I can't make any excuse for what happened from 14 to 18. But I don't think we can judge them off of 14 to 18 where they're at right now. This group, you have to judge off the last three drafts, and I think the last three drafts have been pretty good. I think it's a big reason they're eight and six. So I don't know that I, I don't know that I look at that as an area that needs fixed or overhaul uh we'll move on next one ryan m ryan m you are up on stage hey paul uh hey uh real quick i was just curious what your thoughts are uh on who we will end up if we make the playoffs who do you think we will get and who do you think we match up best with oh okay uh Good good question. Let me um let's see here. It's hard I mean it's hard to say. I mean, you know, I joke about it, but the Bengals lose that game yesterday. They're twelfth. They're down there where Denver is. They're currently four. They could be anywhere from way down there where Denver is now to I mean they could who knows? Eight and six, they could catch New England or Tennessee or anybody and end up so it's hard to judge, but amongst this I, I don't know where they're gonna end up. I I think they're the favorite to win the North, which would likely put them in that four hole. So you're Indy, Chargers, Buffalo. and Maybe they end up with a rematch in the North. I mean, for me, I think their best match would be any of the North teams. And they've played well against them, the Browns game notwithstanding. We'll see what that looks like in week 18. Maybe they won't want anything to do with Cleveland. Uh, but Pittsburgh and Baltimore have not been blown out this year by anyone else. Not really. They've been in every game. I don't know how Baltimore does it. I don't understand every week. I don't understand how they're in a game at the end. And there they are going for two or, you know, one, a throw to win it, whatever it is. I, I, it's like miracle working every week. John Harbaugh. I don't know what he's doing, but You know, the Bengals beat them 41 to 17. That we'll see what happens this Sunday. They've blown out Pittsburgh twice. Neither of these teams have been getting blown out by anyone else. They built this roster to win in the North. And I think that's why they love the position they're in, having to go through it to get them to where they want to go right now. Because they, they feel like they built it to to win these types of games. And so for that fact, I think they'd love. Some sort of divisional matchup, someone they're real familiar with, um, and know what they're getting themselves into in the playoffs. I don't think they want to see a team that can throw it all over. I don't like the Chargers coming back. I wouldn't like that. Um, you know, any any team that has a real high powered offense and passing attack in particular, I don't think is a great matchup for them. That's just it's been the teams that have given them some trouble. And so, yeah, I, I you know Buffalo is if they make it, they're they they kind of soft, but Josh Allen can really throw it all over the place. I don't know. I mean, everybody's about the same. I think you will poke holes in any resume outside of Kansas City probably right now. Everybody else, I mean, New England just lost to Indy. Tennessee just lost to the damn Steelers. Who's good? I think Indy's good. I think Indy's really good. But you probably like that matchup because you love a team who feels like their strength is the running game. That's, that's strength on strength for the Spangles' defense. So I don't know. I, I don't think there's anybody that would really scare you outside. Of, I think Kansas City scares you, and we'll see how much they scare you after two weeks from now. So I, it's, I mean, it's wide open in a lot of ways. I don't, you know, everybody has holes that you, that you can exploit, and I think this team's shown multiple ways to win that I don't know how much it really matters. Some percentage points, but I don't think there's massive disparity in what the matchup would look like, whereas some years it definitely is, and maybe in the the NFC it is right now, but not in this conference. Uh, All right, uh, let's just do a couple more. I'm sorry I'm long-winded. I can't hold it together. Uh,
2: Stephen W., what do you got? Hey, Paul. What's going on? Um, Just a question, really, in terms of Zach's future. If the team go 0-3, which I hope doesn't happen, is there any Um, suggestion that Zach might not
0: uh no that's not um no I mean you know you gotta if he can survive 625 and 1 you know he can survive 8 and 6 in a late season meltdown and we'd have to be talking about what exactly happened on that meltdown but they've come too far they've taken too big of a step this year They've moved so much in the right direction in a window that's just now opening that anybody in that front office most notably the one that would be making that call would choose to halt that progress and rip it up and start all over that's you know that would have to be a pretty that would have to be a more than just losing three games you'd have to lose three games and the locker room and some kind of mutiny and there's just nothing that has occurred or is currently occurring that suggests that would ever happen. Um, they could lose three games. Anybody could lose three games or three tough games. But, you know, I think what's happened in the progress that they have made um, would be more than enough. I, I go back, I was actually poking back to double check on my like preseason predictions and I remember thinking that I had like the most optimistic I'd seen out there before the season started. And I had them eight and nine. And it was like, I remember everybody being like, wow, look at you, you know? And now we look at that and and what do you, you know, regardless of what happens these next three weeks, I, I don't think that you would come away and say that this team didn't overachieve some, and and isn't headed in the right direction with a with a young roster and a lot of a lot of players that are under contract. All right, I'll uh let's drop a couple more in here and see what I can get. Let's go to uh CJM. CJ, what do you got? Hey Paul, how's it going? Doing good. How are you? Not bad. So I'm pretty adamant about this in the comment section a little bit. And I think there's just one missing piece that the Bengals are just missing right now, and that's a 16 17 ish year revival of bootsy collins fear
2: to tiger so Uh, i just got two questions one i don't know what we need to do to contact bootsy's people whether send an im or reach out to his (laughs) myspace page or something but we need to make that happen and two which current players on the
0: roster would be the stars of the new fear to tiger video thank you oh wow wow this is what a way to end it um Thank you, CJ. You made my day. Well, first of all, I know we, Boots. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think Bootsy's doing that much, to be honest with you. I can't feel like Bootsy's a busy guy. I mean, he, I, I think we can make it happen. There's, with social media, the Bootsy, the Bootsy beer at Fretboard Brewing, by the way, if you've ever been there, is delicious. I, mean, I might call it most underrated, under-discussed beer in the city. Uh it, Maybe I'll start there. I'll just go there, sit at the bar, order a bootzy, and see if they know how to get his people. Uh, stars of a new Fear to Tiger. I, ever since Red Hot happened uh, in the 90s, like in the, with the 1990 Reds team, I'm always a big fan of any just like kind of behind the scenes shooting because in 20 years it will look ridiculous, sort of like Fear to Tiger kind of does now um, and did then really. But, I mean, I think you've got to – I mean, C.J. Uzama, I would think, would be a star. He's kind of built for that type of thing. Joe Burrow would not. Joe Burrow might play the Chris Sabo role, if you remember the the Chris Sabo awkwardness in the Red Hot video. Um, I mean, Joe Mixon. I mean, I think you would probably have a recreation of the Temptations celebration from the Pittsburgh game at some point. That would be part of it. Um, so Joe, Joe's, Joe's front and center in that for sure. There's no doubt. I mean, the entire defensive back, I actually want to write about this. The The money on the floor celebration. Have you seen it? They've been doing it all year where they kind of like some, they, they do the, the wiping of the ground and some sort of like, you know, some sort of street craps game or something. Not super sure exactly what's going on. I need to ask more questions about that, which is, Once I find Bootsy, I'll make sure I get to that. But I feel like that would also be a part of this. There'd be some sort of referencing of that. Um, DJ Reader would do his shovel thing across at some point. I think those are probably the starts. I think it starts with Mixon and his lineman behind him doing some sort of Temptations recreation at the top. No, I think that's probably where it starts. CJ, thank you. Thank you for blessing us all. We went out on a high note this week. We're costanza this. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Fretboard Brewing and see if I can find Bootsy. Uh, so I apologize if there's not any story up tomorrow because of this idea has sparked my need to go up there. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. I uh, appreciate it. The questions were awesome. We're going to keep doing this through the rest of the year. We'll have Jay not in the in the in great the friendly skies next week. Uh, Also, dropping in knowledge, so uh, we'll be good to hear from everybody then after the Bengals Ravens game. I'm sure we'll have nothing to talk about after that. Uh, All right, thanks everybody for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.